coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, a boy and his blob, Animal Crossing's huge new update, and a Nintendo hardware roundup. Today's election day, which is important and stressful, but we're just going to talk about fun stuff. It's dangerous to vote alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. Hey, Patrick. How's it going? Uh, going going well, Mark. How are you? I'm doing well. Let's check in on the weather real fast. Okay. A little bit warmer than a I was expecting today? A little bit warmer. I think it's supposed to be in like the low 70s, high 80s for the... Or not high 80s. Low, high 70s, low 80s. What are we talking about? <laughs> for the rest of the, <laughs> the week. The numbers are confusing me. <laughs> um, I just got off the phone with my girlfriend, who's mm-hmm. in Chicago right mm-hmm. now. She said that it was going to be in the 90s next week. Here? Here. Oh, I, I know. I do not want that. We're, this is horrible. I, yeah. I don't, I, what are we supposed to do? It's supposed to be cold at this point. I, look, I've lived in LA for four years. Right. And so we're every pros year, now. it's progressively gotten warmer. Yes. Like the winters have gotten warmer. Yes. This is bad news. I just, I remember my i guess it wasn't my first my my second like real winter here um saying that i was doing a lot of hat on improv which just meant that i was doing a lot of shows while wearing like a knit cap right and that was happening in like november and december yeah and that felt right that it was cold enough indoors that i was wearing a hat because we'll be two weeks in to like halfway through november and it's going to be 90 degrees i don't that doesn't seem right which is a great excuse right for me to stay inside and play, video, like catch up on video games that I have not been able to play. Uh, do you feel like you you are amassing a a back catalog? Well, okay. Here's the thing. Let's just move right into like what we're playing. Okay. Okay. Great. Great. Because Mark, what have you been playing? I was supposed to be playing Dragon Quest Seven, as discussed last week. It's downloaded. It's sitting on my 3DS. Now, when you say you're supposed to, this is an assignment you gave yourself. Absolutely. Okay. I, made, I just I just want us to be clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I was supposed to be playing it. So we could talk about it, so I could talk about it this week. I have not even had a chance to like open it up. But you have downloaded it. I have downloaded it. It's sitting there just waiting. And uh my boyfriend is going out of town starting uh tomorrow, which right. is the anyways, it's complicated. Right. Timelines are complicated. Just pulling back the curtain here for a second, where we normally record on Monday and uh-huh. you hear us on Tuesday, or whenever you download right. this, or you never hear it. Yeah. <laughs> But today we are recording on Sunday evening, so if huge Nintendo news breaks on Monday, sorry. Yeah. We we missed it. Yeah. So on uh, Monday, which is, if you're downloading this on Tuesday, which is last night, as we're recording it, is tomorrow. And if you're never listening to it, never happened. Right. Uh, because if a boyfriend gets on an airplane and no one's around to hear it, does it really happen? I would argue that it does. <laughs> um... He's going out of town and he's going to be gone for a month, which means I, which is very sad, but which but. means that I'll have a little bit of extra time to like really dig into Dragon Quest Seven. So I hope to talk about it next week. Have not played Dragon Quest Seven. I did download 
the Monster Hunter Generations demo for the ha- 3DS. Have you played any of that? No. Whoa, sorry, so sorry. I played I played the demo. I played the demo. I mean, if, if this is just where we're going to talk about our experiences downloading stuff, because I have something to say about my experience right. downloading something. I downloaded it, and I played it. Okay, good. Uh, have you played any Monster Hunter before? No, they always seem super intimidating. I don't know if this was the same demo that was at E3 this year. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't... They, they had a... Um, small section where you could with a few 3ds's set up where you could play a demo for generations but oh, okay um i didn't do that but i played so i played this one this is also my first time doing anything monster hunter yeah and this stuff is co- like i think the controls are complicated oh yeah like by the end of it i was feeling like kind of comfortable with it but yeah feeling good playing it yeah but it was you know that was like five days ago and i think going back now i would already remember like forget how i'm supposed to do stuff <laughs> and it's not like super complicated but it's like okay in order to dash you have to hold l and you know like b and the circle pad or whatever so i know uh, my understanding of generations is that it lets you play with uh the the systems from like every previous version of monster hunter so I don't know if that's uh, actually in the demo or not, but in the full version of the game, I think there are different ways that you can select different ways to actually play oh. and therefore like control the game. Yeah, I don't that like maybe not in this. No, I mean possible. I think the demo is very like streamlined, where it's just like yeah. here's Monster Hunter, here's an introduction to Monster Hunter. I've heard the generations from people who have played the series a lot. I've heard the generations is the most like they've fixed a lot of the you know things the, that the fussiness yeah yeah and so it's the most streamlined and i could see myself getting into it but it is still just a little too the barrier for entry like when i first turned like in the first few minutes you, they have you like battling and all that kind of stuff which is great but then it's like okay get out and like roast the meat and it's just like oh there's so many in small systems in this game yeah that that it just doesn't really appeal to me like in general i don't love games that require that have so many like individual systems right like even in rpgs that involve crafting i very rarely craft because it's just like i i, I don't want to deal with that right i'll I'll find the powerful weapons and uh, then i'll level up and like i'll engage in the skill tree or whatever right right or, like powerful enough like i know yeah. you know people is like in fallout 4 you could build um uh settlements Mm -hmm. and it was like yeah i paid i only did the very minimum of that i had to do get past the story so that's how i felt about generations where it's like oh this looks appealing it like looks beautiful um for a 3ds game they it's like there's like little like cats like it's very cute yeah that like fetch items or like supplies for you or something and they're just and uh they've kind of become I, I was it in this game it might be in this game where they can wear like mario and like luigi outfits yeah i think uh, monster hunter has a actually a pretty good history of especially recently of incorporating nintendo branded stuff because there's also like zelda costumes mm-hmm. and, and stuff like that that are part of them as well so overall i'm glad i tried it but i don't think i'll buy the full version but who knows maybe the if there's a Monster Hunter Switch, which I'm kind of assuming there will be, I assume that yeah, it would be gonna... crazy for them not to. I think yeah, I mean because the only other option really is for them to put it on. That sounds great. By PS4, the way. 
And they're not, I don't think they're going to do that because so much of Monster Hunter, especially in Japan, is, is like the, the portability. portability. Yeah. So Switch makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Uh, I have uh, not been playing much this week. Uh-huh. Um, uh, other than uh, Animal Crossing. And that's because of something that we will cover in the news, Mark. Let's get to the news. We've both been playing, I mean, I've continued to play, but you kind of re, uh, got back into your town with the that's an- right. The Animal Crossing New Leaf Welcome Amiibo update. Yes, that's right. Um, Nintendo, like they do, um, announced a, a Direct, and then like 12 hours later, put it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark, did you watch this Direct? No, I didn't. I didn't have time, but you did, right? It's bonkers. It... <laughs> Um, it, it features a, a, um, a Japanese man dressed in like hippie clothes, uh, hanging out at an RV park with, uh, someone wearing a full body KK slider outfit. And then they just like talk through the features of the, of the update. You're right. That sounds bonkers. It's so bizarre and, but totally worth checking out. Cause like, it's just, it sounds insane. fun. Um, and we'll, later in the news here talk about another just absolutely crazy direct um but yeah so i uh i went back to my town and um even before downloading the update was like okay i gotta i gotta re-meet these guys (laughs) and uh see see how they're doing i realized uh just a couple minutes before recording that i blew off um kabuki who i was supposed to meet at my house at 3 30 oh man um so I really hope he was like mad at me when I came back and I was like, he was like, oh, I thought, oh, I thought we weren't friends anymore. And he's like, maybe you can invite me over so I can see your place. And so I said, okay. And he said, give me a time after 12, 12 o'clock and I'll be there. And I was like, oh, God, okay, I've got a thing at, uh, and it should be done about 2.30. Okay, 3.30. That'll be a perfect time. I was in the car slash had forgotten about it entirely. And so I've now stood up Kabuki. I, I don't know if we can ever be friends. Do they move out of your town without warning you? Because I've had a lot of people, I've had people, you know, the citizens mm-hmm. be like, oh, I'm going to leave in a week. And then I'm like, no, don't go. And they're like, oh, you convinced me. But dude, if you like. I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm not, <clears throat> I don't play a whole lot of Animal Crossing. Right. I've been deep in it yeah. for the past like month. I mean, like every day I've been checking in on them. Yeah. I mean, I, let's talk about what's, what's in this update um, and then uh, talk about our uh our, our plans or our intentions for Animal Crossing going forward. Great. So there's a huge, or there's like an entirely new section that they added, which is like a campground and RV park. Mm-hmm. RVs, campground and RV park. And a Harvey is, it sounds like sty- like the, uh, in the direct. Yeah. The guy that's dressed in hippie clothes. Right. Is dressed like Harvey's dressed. Mm-hmm. And is Harvey a monkey? I, I'm having a hard time telling. This is a great question, Mark. Let's look it up. Okay. Yeah. But I think Harvey's a monkey. And so anyways, it's a, it's, a, it's a new section of your, like, you have to go out of your town to get to it. I was about to explain where it was in my town, but I realized people choose different maps. Mine's so off to the right. Helpful. Mine is as well. So maybe okay. they're all, maybe off, they're to all the right. off to the right. But it's like right next to my town hall. Um, yeah, mine kind of is too. Oh, okay. I wonder if we chose the same like map layout. Who knows? <laughs> but, uh, and so, yeah, it's a completely new section. You go over to there and... I guess like the big thing here is 
different he's a dog oh he's a dog mm-hmm. okay it's a hard special to tell. dog character that debuts with the new leaf welcome amiibo update okay and so harvey's there and he sells unique items that mm-hmm. you can't get anywhere else and you can't use bells to buy them just like on the island they have a different currency bells badges. bells are the general currency of animal crossing yeah. if you're not hip to right uh, animal crossing yeah and he so he uses these new a new system called meow coupons which stand for uh mutual exchange of wealth which i think is just very funny it's adorable because <laughs> it sounds like so hippy dippy it all yeah yeah um and but then the other fun thing is that other animals from other other villagers from outside of your village stop mm-hmm. by in rvs and uh, you can talk to them, and they're like selling special things as well. So that's really cool. That's yeah. like the biggest thing. I but I so I can't remember. Wh- I finally figured out last night how you earn meow coupons. Yeah how how do you earn? Meow so coupons? you have you know how you you have your like town ID or whatever it's called. Yeah. So you go to that in your menu, and now there's like two parts of it. You toggle to like the oh. initi- initiatives. And so it tells you, like, catch five bugs, and then you earn And then the you earn coup- the meow coupons. Right. I had no idea. Because in the explanation that your secretary gives you... Right, Isabel. She, yeah, Isabel. She's like, oh, okay, like, here are meow coupons, and you earn them by doing things. But so I was like, oh, okay, I'll just catch fish. And then I went to check the meow thing, and it's like, you don't have any coupons. I'm like, how am I supposed to know Not even the 10 you started with? Oh, I, you have the 10. Right. But I mean, like, I didn't earn any new ones. Uh-huh. But finally, I figured it out last night. So you have to like tell it that you want to earn like for a specific task, for a specific initiative? So it's just like there's like lists or you go to that screen and it tells you what the initiative is for the day. Mm -hmm. So like the first one, and I I guess it may depend on the day, but the first one was like, just hang a piece of clothing up in your house. And then you do that. And then you go back to the cat machine. And which is actually, that's another like acronym. I forget what it stands for. I forget what it stands for. It's a coupon automated teller. Teller, like who that. knows? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. But uh, <laughs> nobody will check. <laughs> but there's, there's no way to know. <laughs> yeah. Um. So that that that's like. So that's really fun. Um. I guess the other big things are you can now like demolish your town and like start over, but demolish it. And if you have had your town for long enough, you can get uh, Tom Nook to right. like. To buy it. your town, right? And then he's like, and people are getting millions, like millions Twitter, of like bells, millions yeah. of bells, like fifteen million bells was the highest I saw. I'm not going to have him appraise my town. I mine hasn't been around long enough. Well, I mean, mine has been around for a long time, but it's also <laughs> in a severe state of neglect at the moment. <laughs> and I don't want Tom Nook to be like, I don't know, thirteen bells. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'll have to be honest. Like the, uh, for selfish reasons, I'm a little bit annoyed that the campground is like what the thing is because as part of my you know how you can build town public works projects yeah i built a campground oh so you so already like, sort of have it. i already have one and so i'm like oh do i demolish it and but i put all those bells into it anyways it's a whole thing i'm dealing with <laughs> um of course like the big uh it's in the title is the amiibo functionality amiibo have you been able to use it at all because i have an old 3ds and i like amiibo is dead to me i have been able to use it have you used no it? i oh, okay, have not great uh, but mark as long as we're talking about amiibo 
Um, I I I have a present for you. Oh no! Yes. So pr- prepare yourself. <laughs> oh whoa! I got you the Mario or the Wario and Waluigi and Waluigi amiibo. I got you the pair. They came out on Friday. Amiibo's no longer dead to me. Yay! Thank you, Patrick. Unfortunately, these two amiibo are not compatible with so far. It, it doesn't matter because my 3DS isn't either. <laughs> this is great. The Waluigi one. Uh, I could not like this will be the end of my. Uh, I assumed as much. Uh, no, no, no. I mean that only because what more could I want than Wario? No, your world is complete. And Waluigi. Um, I like their shoes. Oh yeah. Um, Waluigi. Like if if you're not if you can't picture it in your head, which why why would you be able to? Uh, Waluigi has bright orange shoes, and like they're kind of pointy, like an elf's shoe would be. Um, and Wario has green shoes that that same shape. This is actually the first time I've noticed that Waluigi's uh like the symbol on his hat is an upside down is L. an upside down l yeah which i guess makes sense because wario's is an upside down m but it doesn't it just goes to show that waluigi is not that well thought out because <laughs> it actually makes sense for wario well it makes less sense for louis for waluigi's l to be upside down so the prefix wa in japanese means like a bad or evil version of something oh so turning mario into wario is like kind of a clever portmanteau of the wa prefix and mario so like waluigi in japanese makes perfect sense as like the bad version of luigi Mm -hmm. it just doesn't work as well in english so in english we're like waluigi (laughs) (laughs) this doesn't make any sense yeah there's no good way to fix that because you can't be like waluigi like take out the l yeah because that's what you know yeah like if they were like w mario w luigi right it just doesn't anyways all this to say this is amazing did you get for yourself as well Oh, I've got a full set. Of oh, okay, great. I was genuinely worried. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Don't, don't worry at all. I'm not opening these because I'm desperately hoping they'll be worth a significant amount of money this, in the future. This round of Amiibos has been very easy to come by. Ugh. Just so you know. I'm just going to throw these right in the garbage. There you go. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. These are great. Thank you. What else can we do in the uh, um, New Leaf Welcome Amiibo update? Well, maybe... Because I was not amiibo focused before I had any, and now that I am, maybe like my world will change. My entire apartment will be filled with. Amiibo. I mean, you could also just get the cards. No, no, no. But what I'm saying, all right. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, uh, do you? I, and uh, since I didn't watch the direct, are you able to buy villager specific villager amiibos and then add them to your town? Because you know, like it's random who yeah. will come to your town. So yeah, you can summon the various. So uh, anyone from the Animal Crossing line, and I think there's a dozen or so of them. Let's see who I can see from right here. I got Lottie, Tom Nook, uh, KK Slider, Isabel, Digby, um, Timmy and Tommy Nook, uh, the the those llamas, Reese and Cyrus, um, the owl. Uh, in in the um, museum, museum um, and the lady version of the owl. <laughs> I'm losing a lot of these names. There's a lady version. There's there? a lady version of the owl. Uh, Kix is in there. Um, the like little skunk with the hat. Mm-hmm. Uh, is Rossetti in there? Yes, there's a Mr. Rossetti. Um, so there's a lot of them then. Yeah, I, okay. I think I think it's an even dozen. And so um, then, what happens when you do it? Then I think they come to. Then I think their RV comes. 
Oh, I don't know. Okay. The, the other ones that I, I know for sure, um, all of these Splatoon amiibo um, summon Splatoon, char- Splatoon characters. And not like an Animal Crossing version of them, like just straight up. I mean, it is sort of an Animal Crossing No, no, no I'm sorry. I don't mean like a villager like wearing the outfit. I mean, like, right. oh, it is like the... It is an Inkling. Yeah, it yeah. is Wolf Link. Yeah. yeah, yes. So that's all, also all of the Zelda amiibo, which is a little bit weird because the Zelda amiibo right now come from different lines. Or I guess at the moment they, they're only from... Nope, they're different lines um, because there are the Smash uh, Zelda amiibo. There are five of them. Link, Toon Link, Ganondorf, Zelda, and Sheik. Um, and then the Wolf Link amiibo is its own thing and summons a wolf, like a wolf link. Well, that just seems like a random one to me in general. Sure. Out of all, you know, like why I'm guessing because it was recently released is why they decided to go with it. Well, and one of them will uh, summon Epona as like an Animal Crossing villager. Oh, see, that's great. Yeah. That's really fun. Um, Yeah, it, it seems super adorable and I'm really looking forward to doing that. Um, and also, Mark, if you ever get the uh, like little hockey puck thing to uh, make your 3DS Amiibo functional, you may feel free to use any <laughs> to peruse my library of Amiibo. <laughs> um, I'll probably take you up on that. Good. Uh, and the other thing you can do is using your 3DS camera... You can, it's like an augmented reality type thing. So mm-hmm. you, can, you snap photos of like your apartment or basically anything in real life. And then your villagers show up in those environments. Right. And you can share those somehow, I'm assuming. There's no real like share functionality, but they definitely get saved to your 3DS. Yeah. So, I mean, you take a picture with your phone. <laughs> I don't. Um, and then, oh, this is the big one for me. This is so nice is they made a small change where you can now shake a tree and hold a one-handed item so like a net or a fishing pole you can still shake a tree and it makes when uh beehives fall down mm-hmm. and bees chase you it makes it so much easier to like capture the bees oh because it doesn't take a holding second one. To, yeah yeah and it just makes it generally more convenient because you don't have to put the item away shake the tree and then get the item back out again. Which is all. a silly thing anyway. Like, come on, game. Meet, right, I know. Meet so me it's halfway. like, it's so yeah. nice that they uh, like made that small change. Anyways, it's a huge update for a three-year-old game. Like, a crazy huge update. Uh, yeah, it's sort of insane and unprecedented, right? Like, why... I, I am having the hardest time, like, trying to figure out why they're doing this. I am assuming that, one, Animal Crossing is... Um, like, Isabella is a very popular character in japan sure and i'm guessing it's it just new leaf just dropped to 20 bucks Mm. and so i'm yeah i think they're just like this is one of our evergreen titles that already sold well and will continue to sell well as Mm -hmm. like new people buy 3ds's and so it's worthwhile for us to invest in like adding a lot of new content to this game it's interesting because I think a lot of people are playing the game again. Yeah. Um, which is so cool that there's like a reason for everyone to like check in on it again. And the game is obviously more dynamic when there are more people playing it because then you can visit each other's towns and whatnot. And also just like then you, you know, you're talking about it, right? Um, so yeah, I think it's super smart, a super smart way to keep a game that requires engagement from everyone um to to do like it's uh, something i wish they could do for it probably didn't sell well enough but for like um 
Triforce Heroes. Right. Um, that like no one's playing it anymore. But if they did something to get people interested in playing it again, then there would be an audience again. But which is cool. But the thing for um, Animal Crossing specifically is that they didn't charge anything for this. This nope, was a free download totally to free everybody. Update. So it's yep. like, yeah, people are reengaging with uh, Animal Crossing New Leaf again. And maybe, but it's not like any of those people are necessarily paying for anything to get it. So it's just no. like a fun thing that Nintendo was like three years later. All right, let's do a major content update for Animal Crossing. I think Animal Crossing also appears on most outlets, like top 10 3DS games lists. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think it, it even though I, I, I have kind of a hard time getting into them because they're a little bit slower and a little bit more like directed at your own pace. Um, but I, it is a well-regarded game. Yeah. And like people will recommend that you play Animal Crossing. I will say the longer... And I came in really liking Wild World. That was the last... Yeah. And I've owned City Folk, played it for a little bit, and just didn't work for me. Mm-hmm. But I will say that the more I play New Leaf, the more impressed I am yeah. at how much content and how... Even before this uh, new update, like yeah. how much content in it and how... It just like new things keep presenting itself and little things that I'm just like, oh, right. Yeah, it like, seems I'm... like it was already a bottomless pit of content. Yeah. So super and impressive. Here's some more. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I guess like the next major direct that we're all expecting is like the Switch one on January 12th. Uh, so I did want to talk about that for a second. Um, the, um, I'm not sure that we will see that in the form of a direct. Um, it may be an event of some other kind. Oh sure, because it's definitely a live event that they're streaming. Yes, um, and I, I the, I'm sure, I'm assuming it seems like it's taking place in Japan, but I'm assuming they're going to invent uh, invite press from all over the world to it. Yeah, but yeah, I, it'll basically be like an E3 concert conference of old, right? Or like a Space World conference, right? But specifically for the Switch, January 12. What day of the week is that? Do we have any idea? Um, we have the means to find out. <laughs> um, I'm just curious what, what our response is going to be to it. Like, do, do we do something right away? What, what is our responsibility to the, uh, January 12th, um, January 12th is a Thursday. Great. That works out great for us. Does it? Right? I feel like that's terrible for us. <laughs> oh, right. Cause it's like right. Cause it's like right after. Yeah. We may have to do. I mean, we'll do a special. We'll do. We'll do a a, a special, um, just for you because we like you, um, and because we will want to talk about oh, it. Oh yeah, we will. So it's kind of talking about the switch. The rumor this week was that the Wii U was going to end production. End done. Close the door. Yeah. Close the book. Throw the book away. But debunked. Debunked. Not they're, true. They're not ending production of the Wii U quite yet. Uh. Great. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I like my Wii U. Um, and uh, man, I hope they do. A, I hope they do a big price drop on that thing. Well, soon. I well, I think that uh, two things. One is I don't think we're ever going to see a price drop on the Wii U. Like uh, like Nintendo. Interesting. Like I think because they're selling, it's going to sell what it's going to sell at this point. So there's no incentive for them to be like, okay, and. I sort of disagree on that. Like, I think if they could, if they could mm-hmm. dr- way drop the price on Wii U, because um, I, I think if anyone was thinking about buying a Wii U now, they're not going to, and they're just going to wait for a Switch. Right. I think that's what Nintendo wants. 
I think they'd much rather get oh. pe- uh, they'd much rather get people uh, owning a Switch, which is their platform going forward. Yeah. They want that install base big. They don't really care about the Wii U at this point. I mean, like people buying Wii U's is just gravy. But then why not take it out of production? Um, I'm assuming it's because they feel like they have or will be getting enough orders that they have to produce a few more. Interesting. Um, but. Yeah, I mean, I guess this would have been, I, I think, the first time Nintendo had, if this was were true, this would have been the first time Nintendo had ceased production of a console. Well, that's not true. That can't be true. Because the GameCube, they, like, vacillated. There were times when they stopped production because they had too many. Yeah. But this would be the first time where they just, like, ended production months before the right. Switch came out. And I think the reason this rumor, like, got out and then blur proliferated as much as it did was that i think people are really into the narrative of the wii u failed yeah and like i think that's fine it hasn't been a success but i I think people are really eager to put like nails in the coffin of this thing yeah i mean i don't know how unfair that is i think by any metric other than maybe quality of games sure the wii u has been a huge failure Right, but I, I think I think people are more in love with that narrative than than they need to be. Oh, sure. Like, people I, take I, joy in it. Yeah, people, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Yes, it's the joy I object to. <laughs> yeah, I just don't want people feeling joy. <laughs> um, in happier news, and something I'm actually excited for is Dragon Quest Eight: Journey of the Cursed King. Uh, finally has a release date Yay! for the West on the 3DS. It's going to be out on January 20th. Uh, it includes like new playable characters, quests, and uh, an alternate ending, and a quick save feature, which is great. Yeah, quick save. Uh, man, what did we do before quick saves? Where we would like walk into a dungeon and battle through a dungeon for forty-five minutes. I mean, in a lot of games on the NES Cl- Classic Edition, that's like one of the main benefits is you can just do like yeah. save states. You don't have to because a lot of those don't have save functions. Oh my god! <laughs> a lot of them don't have save functions, and then. Final Fantasy's on it as well. Right. I'm gonna use. Oh my god! I'm gonna use save. I'm gonna use save states to finally beat uh, Star Tropics again. See, there we go. Yes. Um. But yeah. So Dragon Quest Eight, which will be really fun. I can download it and not play it because I guarantee I'll still be playing Seven by that point. I'm looking forward to <laughs> weekly updates about how you haven't turned it on yet. Yeah. Um. Pokemon tournament. Uh. Because we got to get a little bit of Pokemon news in here. Gotta. Uh. The arcade cabinet is gaining another playable character. Cryo gunk, cryo gunk. I think crow gunk. Crow gunk. Oh, that makes sense. Croak like croak with gunk in the middle of it. Oh, I was thinking it was like crow magnum. You know, like no, he's a he's a frog. Oh, cr- yeah. Oh, okay. Crow crunk. How do you what? I think crow gunk. Oh, okay. Ugh. Uh, so he's joining the lineup on November tenth. So this and no word if they're going to update the console version. I'm guessing at this point it didn't sell well enough to merit the effort but i am interested that the arcade version is apparently doing well enough that it is worthwhile for them to keep adding characters yeah that's a little bit insane to me because early reports about the arcade cabinets in japan was that it was not that people were having them removed from um, arcades because um somewhat like a, a a decently skilled player could get 45 minutes of play off of one credit wow um which means you're not making any money on right. that machine uh, but yeah, that they're adding, this is the third DLC, or I guess I don't even know what you would call it, the third extra character um, in the arcade edition. Um, and it's the second since we've started doing the podcast. Which isn't even that long. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it, I guess maybe like 
it, just like it is with cable TV here, it's like arcades are niche in Japan. Niche? Niche? Whatever. They're both good. In in Japan. The Nintendo niche. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and this has become just like a profitable tiny little niche in there as well. Yeah. Must, oh, I, I think it is also possible that we will see this game on the Switch. Do you think so? Maybe. I, I mean, I guess it's possible. I, I don't know why you wouldn't necessarily. Like... Well, if it's easy for if, if it's it, easy to do, if it's easy yeah. to do, it just like adds. It's another notch in the yeah. Switch's belt. So yeah, and Namkai Bam, <laughs> what is this name? Namco Bandai. Namco Bandai. Right. Yeah, yeah, used to be Bandai Namco. <laughs> now is Namco Bandai. Has never been. What did you say? I don't. I can't even remember. Bandai Namco. <laughs> yeah. Um. There. Yeah, I miss. My money's on them also doing a port of Smash, that they're working on a port of Smash 4. Right. So, yeah, I mean, if it's easy to do, and it seems like it probably is, then why not? It'll also, maybe it'll also depend on what the install base for the Switch ends up looking like. I, like, I don't think it'll be necessarily a launch window port. Sure. It could, it could be like a year later. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's, if they do decide to do it, then it's just another title that can fill a gap you know, or fill a, um, like a release window where it's like, okay, we're not going to have a gaming drought for six months because we're going to throw a Pokemon tournament in. Right. I also think a fighting game is a pretty good kind of game for what the Switch is. Yeah. Like, I I think that would be, that's fun couch co-op on the go. And it would also be fun to play against your friend where you take your thing. Especially if there's some sort of like download play, like we were talking about. So two people didn't have to own it. Did we wait? Hold on. Did we cover this last week? We talked about is Mario Party. Oh, we does didn't it have download it. play? We are interrupting the news. <laughs> so the interruption, interruption sound. <laughs> it it doesn't have traditional download play, but it what you can do is one person has to own a copy of the game, and then if you let's say you have three friends who also have three DSs, they can go to the eShop and download a special. Basically, it seems like version of the game. It seems like a full free version of the yeah, game. Yeah, but they, they just... download it for free. And uh, I'm guessing it's because the amount of data needed to play right. was exceeded the amount that download play is capable of yes. or made sense for download play. But that's really cool. Yeah, and uh, there's no limit to... As long as one person owns the full version of the game, there's no limit to the stuff that you can play on the free versions. Yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, seems super great. Now let's go back to the real news. Uh, you'll have to explain this one to me, because I saw a little bit about it, but I didn't watch the direct, is the Miitopia, which is coming to the 3DS in Japan on December 10th, but probably isn't going to get a release in the West. Doesn't look like it right now. Uh, who knows, though? Uh, so Miitopia looks uh, like a, you know that um, there's a one of the Mi Street Pass games where uh, it's like an RPG and just like everyone oh, yeah, like, takes damage and like, dies. Like the and, dungeon crawling thing where you, yeah. like the more Mi's you have, the further you can get into it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it looks a little bit like uh, that, but an actual RPG. Oh, interesting. Um, it's unclear from the direct which is the most Japanese thing I've ever seen, by the way. It starts, it's like, it's a seven minute long video and the, we don't see any gameplay of any kind until like three and a half minutes in. It's, the, the video starts with a woman waking up and going to work and being treated like garbage while she's at work. Um, 
a lot of like regressive gender dynamics <laughs> happening in this thing. Um, and then she comes home and we see that she has like a dream or like her 3DS glows and takes over her head or something. <laughs> um, and so we, we see that the game itself is uh, me. So we recognize the people from her office and like her boss is the villain. So like it looks sort of neat, but it's, I don't know. Like I, I it's it's not clear to me because the whole thing is in Japanese, so it's not clear how much like how deep the story is or anything like that, or even how deep the exploration elements are. But the combat looks to be a fully formed kind of like sixteen bit style, even though it's all done up in like the Mies, but like you know of the Final Fantasies four five six um, era uh, combat. So like there are like things where they team up and where they cast spells and um, different character classes that everyone is. Um, and you can be like a pop idol or like a wizard or all these things. Um, do so you, do you know, is it an eShop exclusive or is it like a retail release? I don't know. I mean, it, it looks like a full game though. Not, not like a, uh, you know, $10 even to, free thing. I have to be honest. I find me's generally unappealing. Yeah, me too. So like, just like the physical design of them. So an entire game revolving around them. I also, is a repelling concept. Yes, <laughs> I agree with that. But also, like, I don't. I, I want to know who these people are that have a bunch of Mies on their 3DS. Because, um, like, the only time I made a bunch of Mies were when I first got the Wii and people were coming over and playing it. And then, you know, we'd play tennis and then be like, oh, let's make Mies for a while. And then everyone that I was going to school with, everyone that was hanging out in my apartment, was making, we were making Mies of them. Um, but like as soon as I'm by myself in on my 3ds, I've got like four me's on that. Thing. Oh, but what I'm saying, but it makes sense to me, especially if it's Japan exclusive, because sure. if you get them, if you can acquire, if it uses the ones you acquire through Street Pass, then if you're Street Passing a bunch, you would just like collect. You yeah, because even from just traveling, I have like 30 that I've, and I don't travel. I haven't like right. you know. Um, but I have like 30 that I've gotten from airports. But if you know, if you were like on the train and getting a lot of them, yeah, then maybe it works that way. That feels so much less meaningful to me than like me's of people you know and love. Like, this is someone who rides the train with me and is also playing Monster Hunter or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just. <laughs> no, I mean, no, I, I don't, I I'm agree not saying with you're you. wrong. Mark, I'm not wrong. <laughs> I'm not saying you are. <laughs> Uh, let's move into the uh, new releases for the week. Great. So uh, the big on, one on the 3DS on November 8th, which is today this is being released. Election Day. Election Day is Harvest Moon Sky Tree Village. It's the newest Harvest Moon. Yeah. Which is really interesting to me because it's not the, depending on when you got into Harvest Moon. Right. When you're like, it's the new Harvest Moon. It's not. Maybe the, it's not. It, yeah. It's like not the Harvest Moon that you have played in the past which is now called story of seasons and that's natsume natsume is the one that owns harvest moon the name so the games that are being released got it uh as harvest, as moon. harvest moon are not the uh, it's sure so that's properly branded but the people who actually made it are the uh story of seasons people. yes okay yeah exactly so and i pl- the only 
I I really like Harvest Moon, but I've only played one game, which was like Mineral Town, which was the one on the Game Boy Advance. Okay. I love that game. So it has been a long time since you played. Yeah. Okay. So I can't speak to any of the more recent ones, but watching like the trailers and stuff for this new Harvest Moon, it does look like they are not, they're kind of doing their own thing with sure. Harvest Moon now. Okay. Well, we'll... Uh... Probably neither of us are going to grab that game, I don't think. Probably not. Um, but I'll watch some video of it and see uh, see what it's like. Um, my my Harvest Moon, Super Nintendo, baby. That was mine. OG Harvest Moon, just oh. called Harvest Moon. I think that Mineral Town is based on that version oh. with expanded content. Um, that I mean, this is based on almost no information good okay <laughs> but I what think, else is coming but out i this think week? that's true uh the nes classic ugh, ah! nes classic edition drops on friday yeah still can't pre-order it like still no and we're gonna do our darndest to get a, like at least one yeah we were talking about this before maybe neither of us are working on friday yeah uh when this thing drops uh so it might be time to uh you know go scoot around la until we find some uh some nintendo classic edition well the reason i want uh because i want one for myself but it's just such a great christmas gift yeah it's kind of like a no-brainer christmas gift like, yeah i can't think of a person that i couldn't give this to right so i'm hoping to get more than one but we'll see uh yeah and i guess yeah me, me too it just says Kind of as as many as I can. But hopefully we'll be able to talk about it next week, our experience with it. Yeah. And if I end up not getting one, I was was about to say, I'm going to buy all the games and play them anyway. But that's not true. I'm going to wait. Yeah. I... But I would be tempted to try to get one from like a third party seller. Yeah, I think if I would the prices depending, like you know, if it's like a reasonable markup, I'd be willing to go in for that. What? Let's ask this right now. What is your reasonable markup? They retail for fifty nine ninety nine. I would pay eighty. Yeah, I would do like twenty bucks more. Yeah. Um, and your setup here is actually pretty ideal for it because there was a lot of talk this week about how short the cables are. Mm-hmm. But you could you could pull it off. I think it would be a little my like couch is a little too far back for my tv yeah for it to work so i might have to get either that like third-party wireless controller that's being released Mm -hmm. or um a longer power cord my my plan for it is to get a long hdmi cable um and just keep it uh keep the system itself next to the couch and just plugged in over here (sighs) and then run an hdmi yeah because then the only way to navigate out to like the the game select menu is Is, by hitting the reset button yeah so i'm going to just have that right with me on the couch um that's my plan yeah your setup's ideal for this thing so hopefully we can grab one yeah hopefully we can grab a couple mark let's move out of the news oh you know what i've made a mistake (laughs) <laughs> this is uh, this is what happens when you produce uh your show live mark let's move out of the news all right that moment of silence is because i was digging up a uh clip for us uh for this next segment which of course is a uh a normal segment on our show it's for it's time for 433 uh, in 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein a performer or a group of performers don't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So for the duration 
of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something that is not Nintendo-related, effectively not playing our instruments and fulfilling the contract of 433. Uh, So, Mark, let's uh, start this recording and uh, talk about not Nintendo. So we both have airport pickups. Yeah, that's the reason why we are... I have an airport drop-off. You have an airport pickup. That's true. They're different tasks. Yeah, that's the reason why we are recording on Sunday versus the regular Monday night. Right. Are you going to LAX? Yeah. Okay. Are you also going to LAX? I am. What time are you... Like, what time are you... Sarah's plane lands at 7.30. Okay. When does Clement... Like, uh, we will probably... It's complicated because I, like, I'm working out by like in culver city right yeah, now yeah, yeah and so i think he's going to meet me out there and that'll probably be around like eight and okay then, like but we'll we'll be in we'll be like ships passing in the night mm-hmm. L- quite literally quite literally especially now that it's daylight savings time is over whether know, we're just started or whichever one or whichever one is or is not <laughs> happening uh do you prefer the airport pickup or the airport drop-off I think I prefer drop off because the timing is less complex. Yes. You don't have to worry about like the like You don't have to check your phone. You don't have to check your phone. Yeah. Right. And you don't have to be like, okay, I landed. I'm waiting for my baggage. Okay, I'm making a loop around LAX. Oh, my baggage isn't here yet. Okay, like I'll loop around again. See you in half an hour. See, the trick is though, you just gotta wait at that Carl's Jr. Do you know what I'm talking about? Oh, smart. It's like right off the... Uh, so when, when you go to the airport, do you get off at Aviation or do you get off at Sepulveda? Well, which way do you go? <laughs> well, I, I'm, on, I'm on the 105. The, are you coming... Oh, okay. Are you coming from the 405? I usually get off on... Um, uh, what are the options? So there's Aviation, uh-huh. which uh, is, is the first one as you're coming from the north. Um, and then there's Sepulveda, which is like kind of just a straight shot to it. Aviation is a little bit more... Um, there's like some construction adjacent to Where's it. Where's like the tunnel where you get off Sepulveda. And the tunnel. Okay, I get off on Sepulveda. Like right by the Square Enix building. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I like to take aviation. I don't know why. Um, other than uh, as soon as you turn on to, is it like Airport Way or something like, uh, something like that? There is a Carl's Jr. Well, I know right the there. Carl's Jr. Right yeah. Um, so I've waited in that parking lot many a time, even though there are signs saying like no loitering. Right. But like if you're in your car, no one's going to say anything to right. you. Or go in and you get some curly fries. Like it's a good time. Oh, so you wait there and then you wait for... For the whoever, text saying I'm, I'm ready. I have my luggage and everything. Right. And then you And then I can be there inside of 10 minutes. Oh, okay. That's smart. I might have to do that. I, I mean... In a month when you pick, right, exactly. <laughs> pick them back up. Burbank yeah. is the dream. Oh yeah, I mean, Burbank is the dream. I mean, Burbank is a fantasy though, because like, where does Burbank fly to? Like, right, where it's not useful. And then the cost. Forget you know, about it. Forget about it. And and if someone is flying out of Burbank, they can park. Yeah, that's it is true. Cheap and easy. It is. It's both of those things. <laughs> it is like surprisingly cheap. But if they're gone for like a month, I'm not going to be like, oh, like, well, that's park true. Here. A month is a little a little intense. Yeah. Um. Duh. Does he have a car? Yes. So it gets complicated. Are you going to have to juggle that too? No. The reason why we're meeting in Culver City is that uh, he, we're both going to drive to like his friend's place who lives in a, like, a black hole in, L- in the LA area, apparently, where there's no street cleaning. Street cleaning in LA, if you don't live here, is excessive. Yeah. It happens every week. Twice a week. Oh, or like every week yes. on one side of the street. Right. Yes, that's right. Yeah. But every street. Every week. Every week. When I lived in Chicago, it would happen once a month. And it's still 
so dirty. Yeah. Well, yes. It's a dirty city. We I live mean, in a dirty city. Street cleaning is exclusively for them to get parking tickets. Uh, that might be right. That might be right. I mean, because again, they could do this same amount of street cleaning once a month, and it would be. I mean, I guess I don't know. Maybe if they didn't, just like the streets would be so much dirtier that we wouldn't actually be able to drive through without holding brooms out of our windows to like push debris away. We would just be like snowed in, but with filth. <laughs> yeah. Um. I have. Uh. Th- so the street cleaners usually come by before the period during which oh, you're not gosh. supposed to park there. Um, so I have gotten a ticket on my car for parking in the street cleaning area after the street cleaning had, after the street sweeper has gone by. So like it's gone by, wait, let me get the sequence Before right. it's gone by. Before it's gone by. So no, after. So it, it say like, there's no parking there from noon until two. Okay. It comes by at 1145. My car was parked there. Fine. No problem. But it just has to like go around. So like it's already done that. Yeah. And then I get a ticket later at noon because my car is not supposed to be there, even though the damage is already done. Tony, that's the illusion of the street clean, you know, of like street cleaning. <laughs> it's no, you know, ugh. Um, but anyways, to answer your question, so that's what we're doing. He's parking his car at some like, I mean, good for this. This yeah. person lives in an amazing area of LA where there yeah. is no street cleaning. Oh, and uh, th- thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, we were um, accompanied today by Armin uh, Fuchs, uh on piano, not playing his instrument. Uh, Mark, I think that about gets us to our topic for the week. So uh, let's, uh, let's get into the topic for the week. And this week... We're doing a little bit of a hardware roundup. Yeah, we're a, a multi-part. Yes. I don't know when we're going to do part two. Do you think that does that happen next week? I don't know. Okay, well, let's, we're, we're just committing to part one yeah. right now. Um, I, I think we're doing this for two reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, first reason is uh, I want to just have a fun, light conversation. You're standing in line. You're going to vote. People are harassing you. <laughs> Or you're at work and work is terrible and you want to have something fun. So let's, let's have fun conversations. That's number one. Number two is that we are coming up on release of new hardware. And I think it's important to have the context of all the other hardware that's come before to understand what the Switch is and what's at stake here. Sure, and how it fits into Nintendo's larger history. Yeah, because they have quite, quite the history and quite the legacy. The company itself is actually way older than anything we're going to talk about here. They made like playing cards and mm-hmm. stuff. So we're going to skip ahead to the first uh, electronic entertainment uh, systems. Yeah, I mean, because we're skipping like the game. We're going to skip like the Game & Watch and like their arcade entries and stuff like that. And we're going to yeah. go straight to really patrick and i's first experience yes which is the nintendo entertainment system is where we're going to begin right and it just if you're an anxious type that needs to know like how far we're going here we're we're going to cut off our coverage at the year 2000 so anything that comes out year 2000 or after that we'll talk about that so basically the nintendo 64 is our is the last system we'll be talking about yes uh that is correct 
So, Mark, the first system, of course, is the uh, NES uh, and or the Famicom, which uh, predates the uh, in Japan predates the NES by like two years. Mm-hmm. Um, Famicom is eighty three, NES is eighty five. There's no real consensus on like what the actual release date for the NES was. Right. At different times, man. Well, and like a lot of NES, yeah, like the system. Yeah. And the a lot of games, a lot of the games, a yeah. lot of games, like even like a, uh, a Nintendo's official release date, people will be like, "Well, that can't possibly be true because <laughs> right." So it, yeah, it's just very records were not kept. It's just very nebulous. I mean, it, it's it's so crazy to think that like you know that just wasn't a no one was thinking about this as a uh, a thing that you needed to keep records on. It wasn't a historic event at the time. So e- even though it was released in 85 or like it showed up in the US market in 85, mm-hmm. I'm it really didn't I I know we got ours for Christmas and I'm assuming it was 86. Uh okay, so you got yours for Christmas 86. I got mine I want to say September of my kindergarten year how old are you in kindergarten four five five generally five so we we got ours in the fall of 87 okay um yeah that makes because i have a very vivid memory of walking home from school and encountering my older sister who was a crossing guard like on you know uh, on my way home um and uh her saying we'll set up the nintendo when when i get home from this Oh, okay. So, yeah, that must have... So, was there an occasion? Like, why did your family get one? Did you want one? Did you know it was the thing? Yes. So, like most of my early video game memories, um, a lot of this is going to be tied to my lifelong friend, Pete Farr. Hi, Pete. Um, And he always had um, video game stuff before me, right? Like, that was a pattern that would continue. Um, but the NES was one of those things that he had at his house and that I know I played in his mom's basement um, and loved and wanted to play more. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's how I... I don't know why we, why we got it, though. Like, I, I don't know that I have an answer for that. I was too young to really have any concept. Yeah, I'm actually thinking now that there's no way I got mine that early. We must have not have gotten ours until like 1990 i think that makes sense because i I would i was probably like five years old when it happened so i was because i was old enough to remember and and it came in a collection with a zapper and a power pad right and like the three the main when did that bundle come out i just looked it up it was 1990 shoot and it it had like the three um it had a single cartridge that had duck hunt super mario brothers and world World class Class track and meet yeah, yeah, and that's what we had, and so now I'm realizing that came out in 1990. Uh, that's what the internet is telling me. I feel like uh, I I may demand further research on that because that would have made me eight uh-huh. in 1990, um, and that's the version we had. <laughs> we had that version. I guess I I don't know whether or not it was the the version that we had at first, or uh-huh. if like that if it came later or something. That we got like a second one later. I, I I totally don't remember, but we definitely had that eight. There's no way I was in kindergarten at eight. That's crazy. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, you'd be in like second grade. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's 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 not right. There are some holes in the story here. It's possible. It's possible it wasn't released in 1990. It's I possible it was like 89 or something. Yeah, I want to uh, say it was what a, a cursory uh, internet search told me. If you know, yeah, you can always write into us. We're almost an hour into the episode. We haven't mentioned where people can write to us. No, we should definitely. Correct. You can, if you have any corrections or complaints or questions, please write in to Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail dot com. Um, and you can tell us about what year that thing actually came out. Um, Mark, do you know what the, uh, the launch lineup? I don't know why I'm posing that like a question. I've got it in front of me. I'm going to tell you what the launch. Lineup okay, great. Cause my is. answer is no. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, uh, I, I, I apologize. The launch lineup for the NES in the U S um, it's the biggest of the international, uh, launch lineups. The, uh, Famicom only launched with, uh, three games, Donkey Kong, Donkey Kong Jr. And Popeye. Um, which is like nothing. Yeah. Also, what's Popeye doing in there? Get that out of there. <laughs> the U.S. Uh, NES launch um, in 85 is uh, Ten Yard Fight, which I don't know at all. Um, baseball, Clue Clue Land, Duck Hunt, Excite Bike, Golf, Gyromite, Hogan's Alley, Ice Climber, Kung Fu, Pinball, Soccer, Stack Up, Super Mario Brothers, Tennis, Wild Gunman, and Wrecking Crew. Wow. So a couple things to note in this lineup. Um, there are two, uh, two games here that require a peripheral, right? Um, uh, Wild Gunman and Duck Hunt use the NES Zapper, mm-hmm. um, and uh, Gyromite uses the Rob Robot. Um, and Rob is you know, I- important in Nintendo history because that's how Nintendo was able to get into um, toy stores and electronic sources that it was being marketed as a toy, Rob being this like robot kind of uh, figure or whatever um, that would actually play this game along with you. All he did was spin tops that held buttons down. Um, but you know, people were so averse to video game consoles after the Atari crashed and E.T. ruined everything um, that Nintendo had to trick people into being like, oh, no, 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 this is a toy that has a robot and a gun with it. Um, did you ever have a Rob? No. Yeah, me neither. I had a zap, which, like, I'm not sad about. No. Uh, although I've always been fascinated by robots, so it would have been fun to have one. Yeah, but, of course. It would have um, been fun. But, like, he wouldn't have been your friend. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I did, yeah, like I was saying, like, definitely had the zapper and the power pad. Yeah. And those are, like, uh, in my mind, those are the three big, um, like, hardware add ons to this yeah. thing. Um, the NES was also. Um, there was a revision of it. Uh, the NES 101 is what it was uh, dubbed in 1993, um, and it was a top-loading system, uh, which brought it into and had like the similar design to the Super Nintendo, um, and ditto the controllers, uh, which they shrunk down a little bit and gave like kind of rounded edges, so they weren't like kind of the pointy. Yeah, that's that'll be interesting when we get the nes classic edition yeah is playing with those square controllers again which are not very ergonomic especially for as we've established big man hands right we are big men (laughs) (laughs) uh yeah yeah i mean it'll it'll, it that that will be interesting and not that i um i mean we did you ever have or um play uh, the the top loading nintendo with those other controllers no i mean 93 is so late the super nintendo's been out for two years at this point yeah um uh, we we had one um i don't know why again <laughs> not not really tracking why but like when it came out it was also super affordable sure um 
And they were still like making games for the NES uh, at, at about this time, like Wario's Woods and uh, Star Tropics 2 were both like super late in the, the console's lifespan, even into the next console's lifespan. Um, and so I think I played both of those games on um, the, the top loader. Uh, and the, the controllers are more comfortable, but they, they're just a little bit smaller. Um, so, yeah. But the NES was definitely, you know, an incredibly formative experience for me. Yeah. What, what would you say are, like, your biggest, um, like, game experiences? So I remember, I mean, Super Mario Brothers 3 launching, I was young, and that was yep. a huge yep. deal. Fives. <laughs> <laughs> like... I remember the McDonald's toys. I mean, mm-hmm. it was Super Mario Brothers 3 launching was huge. And it, I also remember very specifically, um, like a time in my life when, uh, so I have two adopted brothers mm-hmm. and the youngest brother, his birth mom came and lived with us for the last six weeks of her pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I remember we would, like the kid, as kids, like me, my two older sisters, we would be playing, um, suit like the Nintendo, right? Super Mario, mm-hmm. and uh, and the uh, Nick's birth mom would be just like watching us and like hanging out, and that's such like a uh, memory, yeah, for sure. me. And it's you know, it's like such like a looking back on it, like it, cool experience to have at the time I was a kid. So it was like, oh, like. This doesn't mean, you know, it's just like right. the way you, things you are. Know. Yeah, exactly. But it's just, yeah. So Super Mario Brothers 3, and also with Super Mario Brothers 3, this is a question I love posing to people. Like, do you remember where you learned where the warp whistles were? I mean, I, you learn where the first warp whistle is from watching the movie The Wizard, of course, with Fred Savage uh-huh. and Jenny Lewis. Uh-huh. Um, but, I mean, we, we had a subscription to Nintendo Power, so and that came with a Super Mario Brothers 3 strategy guide. Um, like, that was... It, one month of double shipped with like a, a normal issue and the strategy guide so we didn't have like nintendo power but i remember uh our family's favorite babysitter uh, you know you she go. was like yep. probably, I, at the time i thought she was like so grown up she was probably like 13 right you know but she she knew them all she knew them all and so that's where i learned them that's super cool yeah um i i've got uh you know memories of um playing the original ninja gaiden on this thing um on the nes and getting to i'm not going to be able to describe what it is it's 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 a couple levels in but there's one there's a part of this game where you need to get hit by a bird like it's a jump and you need to get hit by a bird which like bounces your character in a direction uh to like actually progress to to finish the jump and we had gotten to this thing and knew what we had to do and had just like a ton of lives um but it was it was a a sleepover and like three o'clock in the morning and i remember just so vividly these dumb things you remember right of like leaving the thing on all night and like whoever got up in the morning first like turn on the tv to check on it make sure it was okay yeah because again so many games had no save features yeah yeah very few Uh, and a lot of them like the the workaround that they had for it was a password feature like metroid right or kid icarus um, which is an insufficient way to keep track of your progress. Um, I don't know what what other uh like memories jump jump to mind um for you of like fun times with the NES. Man, I mean, I again, it was such an awesome system, but so much of my memory of it revolves around Super Mario Brothers three. 
yeah. and playing it with my sisters because I remember the first time we beat it. Yeah. And, and what we would do is like, um, like my oldest sister, she would play and then I, uh, the rest of us would just be happy, like seeing there and watching, right, like, right. you know, see it happen. It was just like, oh, whoa, like so cool to see Sky World. And we get to level eight and, you know, or world eight and trying to figure out, yeah. like, you know, all like the crazy, like, oh, the hands that grab you when you're going to like all those fun things. Remember the first time she beat uh, Bowser mm-hmm. and it goes like, sorry, Mario, your but princess your princess is in another cast. Then it goes, ha, ha, ha. And I remember our, like, we were young and it got us. So like that first part, oh, you no. know, where it was like, oh, oh no. no. But then like the like, ha, ha, ha. And we were all like, yay. Uh, I remember using the fact that I had beaten Super Mario Brothers 3 to impress some older kids at one point. It worked, man. Yeah. How would it not? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an impressive thing and that game is such an undertaking um like for for the time that you can you can burn through that game in like three and a half hours maybe, three and a half or four. Doing every world? No, I think if you're doing every world, I think you got to because I think if you are, well, that's true. if you're using the warp whistles, you could probably beat that in like 15, 20 minutes. Do you remember like the route you would take as a kid to play through the game? Like uh, to speed through it? Just, just to play it. Like if, if you were to play it, did you have a like specific method for getting from the beginning to the end? Yeah, kind of like where, you know how there's like branching paths in mm-hmm. different worlds. So you don't have to do like, I kind of remember vaguely remember like which ones we would do. How would you use the warp whistles? Um, If I was trying, sometimes we would uh, get like the first one mm-hmm. and skip right to the big world, whatever it's called. Yeah. Little big world. Little big world. Um, if we were just speeding through it, we'd like get to Little Big World and then warp again so you right. could go to level eight. See, I feel like if you do that, then you run the risk of not having enough power-ups, especially when you're like an eight-year-old kid and you're, right. you're not very good at the game. Um, I, I used to play through play through the first uh, four worlds and then get to the, the next one is that the Sky World mm-hmm. um, and just get to the Sky because then you had enough like P-Wings and Tanuki suits and whatever to comfortably navigate world eight i think world seven is the one i've played the least it's so hard uh, to, world seven is harder than world eight. <laughs> to this day we usually would skip it yeah um because like the ice world's pretty tough too yeah it's got more levels than most of the other yeah. uh, uh, other worlds we're not talking just about <laughs> super mario brothers 3 here but it, i do think it's i you know i would put super mario brothers 3 up there with the one mm, my gut is just like the best game ever made yeah, it's up there. Um, and so there, and it, it was what I spent mm-hmm. probably the majority of my time within NES playing, and I could just replay that game endlessly, which is why I'm getting a NES yes. Classic Edition. Um, also the first two Zelda games are on there. I love Zelda two. I didn't play sucks. those until I was an adult. Oh, I didn't play them as kids. Zelda two is actually the one that I played a bunch as a kid. I didn't really play the first one um until I got older, but Zelda two. I probably spent more time on on that game than than anything else. Because I didn't have the experience with... uh, It wasn't until later, like, I will say a Nintendo 64, possibly the GameCube, that I was aware of, like, oh, because I didn't really have a lot of friends. uh, Weirdly, I didn't have a lot of friends who had Nintendo systems. They had, like, Sega systems. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did not have, like, a subscription to Nintendo Power or anything. So the games that I got for, uh, yeah, like 
they were games that my parents bought and were sure. like, this is the game you're going, like, this is the game. Right, you, you weren't play. really directing that. On yeah, your, yeah, yeah. I had no idea what was available. Um, so yeah, so like Zelda and like Legend of Zelda, I didn't, or sorry, Zelda and Zelda 2, I didn't mm-hmm. play until uh, much later. Uh, yeah, I mean, and I, th- I think Zelda is also just in a, a little bit of a weird space being that it's not, I mean, there how many Mario games are on, right? You know, there are the three main Super Mario games plus regular old Mario Brothers. I already mentioned Wrecking Crew. That's uh, kind of a Mario game. Um, and Donkey Kong, obviously. Uh, but yeah, Zelda, there's two of them. And then like, we see one on the Super Nintendo and then later we see uh, one on the Game Boy. You know, like it's, it's just there aren't that many of them. Well, oh, there are now, of course, um, but it, it took a while for that to kind of spin up to the place where it is now. Well, moving on a little bit. Yeah. Uh, the Game Boy was released in 89. Um, when did, do you remember when you got one? Oh, geez. I, I think probably pretty early. Um, so the... Yeah, I, th- I think I think pretty early. I I we moved uh around we moved in 1991, and so um I got the Game Boy Christmas of 91. Okay, so it was two years after it had been out. That system had such a long lifespan. Yeah, kind of longer than really anything else. I mean, I know PlayStation Two games were made for a very long time after uh PlayStation Two, but like this thing. It was just out of out of control. Well, with- and especially because I mean they would do revisions, so it got thinner. You know, over time it got thinner. Yeah, and so there's the Game Boy Color and all these types of things. But basically, it was running on ancient technology. Oh yeah, forever, ever. So the 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 system launches with Super Mario Land. Got to launch with a Mario um, alleyway. Uh, which is a brick-breaking kind of game. Uh, baseball. So Nintendo also uh, launched with baseball. Um, and then, sorry, I'm looking at a chart. This is a Japanese game. Tetris and tennis. Um, and obviously, the big mover on this thing early on was Tetris. Mm-hmm. Um, Tetris was the thing that made Game Boy something that like your dad would pick up. Yeah. Um, Sarah, my girlfriend's father, um, was I guess notorious for playing uh tetris on game boy like we'll just come home and play tetris on game boy i mean i don't feel like system sellers like tetris exist anymore yeah i agree with that like people don't buy i'm partly and and i and it's not just because of cell phones i don't think system sellers like this have have existed maybe i guess you could argue wii sports i don't think you need to argue that i think it did i mean i i I think that's a for sure we we sports sold wii's but yeah, like Tetris on the Game Boy was a phenomenon. Yeah. Um and man, it's so you know, the uh the Game Boy had the like connector cable. Mm-hmm. So you could still do and most of these games support that. Um well, I guess not most of these games. Baseball, uh tennis and Tetris all mm-hmm. all supported um multiple player. Um so like if you were on a road trip with your family or with your friends again. This is uh, uh, me and Pete Farr going up to his dad's con uh, cabin uh, in northern Wisconsin, and we both had our Game Boys, and then we were playing something together on it. Um, 
just such a cool and it's it's amazing this thing displayed in four colors it had a horrible green background yeah i was gonna say four colors but like really it displayed in like shades of gray that's right shades of greenish gray yeah Yeah. um yeah and uh so yeah we talked a little bit about uh hardware revisions um for this thing the first of which was just sort of the the see-through version of it um, that came out in 1995. So that's six years before they did anything to it. Wow. Um, and but the first like real revision to it is the Game Boy Pocket, which is so much smaller. Um, I, I man, every time I see like in a an old movie or TV show someone playing like the original clunky. Um, enormous Game Boy. I get so jealous. Yeah, I mean, if you're listening to this, you you probably have like experience. You've like you probably owned a Game Boy. Yeah, but it, it's it is like a brick. Yeah, it's and like in size and dimension. Yeah, yeah, and it's so thick. Um, it takes it took like six double A batteries. I think four, I think four double A batteries. The screen like was not backlit. Nope. So one year I got the weird like yes Frankenstein magnifier that had like lights on it as well. Yeah, barely works. Barely. I mean, not really worth it. Yeah. But yeah, that system. Looking back on Nintendo, must have been making so much money on 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 that thing. On that thing. Well, and so they sort of continue the Game Boy gets kind of a second life, uh, due in no small part to Pokemon. Um, which, you know, is a worldwide phenomenon to this day. Um, but uh, when then they, they're also they start. This is when they start to reissue um, the Game Boy Pocket um, as something that is like smaller and sleeker. That did it also? Ha- I think it had uh, AAA batteries possibly, um, and was just a, a tighter experience. Anyway. Um, and when when did the pocket come out? Like ninety six. Ninety six. Yeah. Um. Did you have a a a Game Boy Pocket? I did not. I always owned a like the OG. The OG. Yeah. Um. And original Game Boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what that stands That's for. That's what by that the way. stands right. for. And don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Uh, other like siblings got Game Boy Colors. Oh, okay. But I always just had the. OG. So I, I never had a Game Boy Color, but I did have a, a Game Boy Pocket. I, I actually, um, my little brother and I, um, we, uh, I don't, probably through Nintendo Power, we're like, Pokemon is coming. We're going to get into it. Um, and we're going to get into it by both of us buying new Game Boy uh, Pockets. And because they were colorful, you could buy them blue or red and many other colors, but we bought them in blue and red and then bought Pokemon Blue and red. Um, and then just played a bunch of Pokemon together on these things, and it was beautiful. Did you earn it with your own money? Yeah, yeah, I did. I think I may have even kicked in for some of his too, just because. Although at at that point they weren't that expensive, like um, like seventy or eighty dollars or something, which is what you can buy a two DS for now. So. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. It's uh, same with like uh, all these systems again, pretty much up to the GameCube. My experience with all these different games mm-hmm. was so it would be like, oh, I'd go to my cousins for like a week in the summer yeah. and they would have some like crazy, because I didn't play like JRPGs or anything on the NES. And so my cousin was the first one where first time I experienced game or uh, Pokemon. 
Yeah. You know, and so it's just like, what on earth what is this is type this? of thing? Uh, I don't know. There's a lot of like memory tied up in that for me, like mm-hmm. going to other people's houses and experiencing these like crazy games that I've never seen before. Because yeah. I was so used to playing just like a f- select like six or seven games. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then the uh, Game Boy Color comes out uh, in 1998. Mm-hmm. 98. So the thing originally comes out in 89. They're putting out like a major revision nine years later. Um, and then it, it goes on to the Game Boy Color is not replaced in terms of hardware until 2001. So like, or 2002? I think 2001. Uh, in any event, the Game Boy reigns supreme for over a decade. Hey, Game Boy. You're doing great, Game Boy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's hard to beat that. Yeah, it's super hard to beat that. Um, and I don't, I can't really think of other. Well, hardware and it was that also has... at like the height of like Nintendo Mania. Yeah, that's right? true. Like this thing. Launched... It is the '90s. Yeah, like yeah. this thing launched at the beginning of Nintendo Mania and continued through. You know it. Like, yeah, Nintendo's heyday, basically. And even when they pivot away to the Game Boy Advance, they're keeping that same branding. They're still mm-hmm. calling it Game Boy. Um, so yeah, it's it's not till a while later that they that they ditch that uh, altogether. All so in 1991, mm-hmm. the Super Famicom or the Super Nintendo was released in the United States. It was released a year earlier. Is the Super Famicom in Japan? In Japan, mm-hmm. what is your experience? Like, how did you hear about the Super Nintendo and? Like yeah, what is your like? Did you know it was coming? Was that were you part of the hype for it? Nineteen ninety one. I would have been nine years old. I was born in nineteen eighty two. Let's just throw that out there. <laughs> Thirty four years old. Um, I don't remember really. I don't totally remember the lead up to it. I don't really remember seeing Super Mario World for the first time or like Link to the Past. Um. But I do remember there being just sort of like a just flood of games that looked amazing to me. Um, I definitely got it before Super Metroid came out because I remember buying Super Metroid on, on day one, and that's 93, I believe. I want to say that's right. 93 or 94. Um, it says at the beginning of the game, I'm trying to remember like the title screen where it says like uh, Nintendo Presents. 1990 either three or four and then it says metroid three um which is not the name of the game the name of the game is super metroid (laughs) (laughs) um so yeah i I don't i don't really remember how i heard about it do you have a i remember like i again was living kind of in my own bubble of course yeah um your kids yeah it's weird that i didn't see any television or i don't remember seeing any television commercials for it but i remember my or really like for any nintendo games sure um but my not even nintendo cereal now i have no memory all of right it. but my my cousin who was uh probably like 10 years older than mm-hmm. me got one he he was worked at a pizza place for a summer right during summers and he uh bought a super nintendo and so i remember seeing super mario world yeah on that thing and just being completely like my mind blown right um, I think for me, um, the Super Nintendo was, uh, an introduction to, uh, just specifically Final Fantasy. Um, oh, sure. Final Fantasy 2 on that thing. Um, our, our good, our family friends, the, the Lebanowskis had a copy of this game. Um, 
and I remember so many like bright summer days down in their basement <laughs> playing playing this game um and just like you know being rocked when like the twins sacrifice themselves or whatever they turn themselves to stone to stop a room from collapsing on everyone um but like that that was maybe the first time i w- i was ever like oh that storytelling is possible in games um and then just like uh randomly for christmas a couple years later my grandmother had uh bought final fantasy 3 for me um and I remember being... And, wait, and what is that? Is that five That's now? six. Six. Yeah. Um, and it... Uh, I remember being disappointed because I was like, this isn't the Final Fantasy that I wanted. I wanted two. Um, but then, of course, I turned it on and it's one of the greatest games ever made. So uh, that uh, worked out for the better <laughs> on, on that. But yeah, I mean, that, that sort of, I think, started to like uh, awaken my mind to like what games could be even though you know like the writing's not great in these games but like they are ambitious and they do tell stories for my strongest memory of the super nintendo and there are so many great games on it yeah my strongest memory that i still think about on rainy days is having to be like overcast and rainy outside Mm -hmm. and playing donkey kong country with my little sister and having like the music of the water level like all like Donkey Kong Country, I associate. Yeah, that's like another one of those like memory things for me. Yeah, where that's I played a lot of games on the Super Nintendo. There are so many good games on the Super Nintendo. That's the one that holds the strongest like moment in time for yeah. me. Me, me too. I, I mean, I think I was just old enough to actually be like old enough to feel ownership over that that moment in time. The Super Nintendo is. Uh, I have one still, and a stack of like 20 games for it um and like just having it on the in the entertainment center makes me happy you know um i love that thing we still have one at my parent the original one that yeah. we own like i we still have it at my parents house and um when we all get together during the holidays my sister and i will occasionally play it we one of our controllers is like the uh D-pad? the d-pad yeah. is broken oh, and, no. and we tried like opening it up and like cleaning it like following like a youtube yeah. and it, it never really took i have three for some reason it's hard it's hard to find they don't even really sell um i mean obviously they don't sell replacements but it's hard to find there are lots that are usb but mm-hmm. it's hard to find ones that will actually plug into a super nintendo yeah um so that's been kind of a bummer that is but, kind of a bummer uh, but it's 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 a great system i would may if the DS didn't exist, which had so many great Super Nintendo games on it, like Chrono Trigger. Right. I would say the Super Nintendo is, well, even with the DS, I think the Super Nintendo is my favorite system of all time. And a lot of that's nostalgia, but... For sure. But a lot of those games are also excellent. Yeah. Uh, when, when those games started popping up on the new 3DS library, um, I started a policy of, I buy them all, I don't care. <laughs> I buy them all. And you'll um, get a chance to rebuy them all. On the Switch, probably. Yep, and I'll probably... And I will happily do it. Yes, and I will probably also happily buy a Super Nintendo Classic when that is announced, Oh, and I don't get to pre-order it. Yeah, I mean, look, the NES I'm excited about, but almost exclusively for... Actually, there's a lot of games on there that I'm excited for. But but, probably fewer than 10. Yeah. Yeah. But an SNES, I am... That is so appealing to me. Man. I really hope they do it. 
even though I'll own some of these games on virtual console. Uh, bah, 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 bah. <laughs> I, if they do it, I hope one or both of the Final Fantasies is on there and that Chrono Trigger is on there. Yeah. It's not a deal breaker if they're not. And it, it would be, uh, it's unlikely, but I would love to see a Dragon Quest on there. Yeah. Yeah, that would be nice. Um, so what's your experience with the Virtual Boy? Mark, let me tell you, I was one of the people who owned a Virtual Boy. No way. I saved up for it with my allowance. This actually might be the first one that I bought of with my own money, I think. Like system now, that I bought so with my own So the Virtual Boy was released in 85. So you, 95. 95. So yeah. you were 13? 13, yeah. And again, how did you hear about it? Nintendo Power. Oh, okay. Again, yeah. Um, we subscribed to Nintendo Power for like seven years. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I read about it early um, and started saving up money for it because I was like, "This is this is it. This is going to be amazing." Um, and I threw a lot of money at this thing because I had Mario Clash, I had tennis, which I think might might have come with the thing, um, Tellero Boxer, and Wario Land. Wow! So and those were all launch games. I don't think there was anything that came out after launch. <laughs> um, there are only like a dozen games for this thing. All, sold less all than a sold. million. Yeah, no, it's not great. It's not. It's not. It's not, it's not great. <laughs> well, I I didn't own one, mm-hmm. but um, there was somebody in my school or like my class who did. Yeah, and so I. That's how I played it. Played like tennis, you know, like stuff like yeah, like just hanging out. And did it have uh, like a link feature? I never encountered anyone else who had. Yeah, one. I, d- I have no idea because I only know one person who owns who owned one. And I've never met anybody who has one as part of their like collection. Yeah. And I think they're like they will die out because the mirrors used mm-hmm. to. Oh like, yeah, if, you, the, if, you, if you're not familiar with this thing, I mean, you, you might think, oh yeah, virtual reality, I know what that's like. This was nothing like that. So it's an it, it's enormous headset, mm-hmm. he, so huge that it's on like a tripod and can't be strapped to your face. You have to like lean in. Yeah, like those binoculars at national parks. Yes, exactly. Like, like putting your face into putting it. Putting your face into it. Um, and then inside, there's a display that is uh, has less color range than the Game Boy, showing just black and red. Just black and red. It's not like a gradient. It's just black and red. That's it. Um, and because there were two screens, one basically pressed up against each eye, it was able to create a 3D effect, which was neat. Yeah, it, it was, was cool. It was, it was a neat effect. Um, well, and v- like virtual reality now is having a renaissance, and like fate, like people are p- yeah. pouring billions of dollars into it. But don't forget that in the early '90s, VR was also hyped as the next big thing. Yeah, you know there were like uh, at like really fancy arcades, there were like VR stations. I remember taking a cruise as, with my family, and you know one of the activities you yeah. could do was like the VR thing. And obviously, it was very rudimentary technology. Yes, but it was hyped as virtual re- you know like virtual reality is here as a culture we were like that's what was being pushed on us it's just crazy like absolutely crazy that nintendo tries to create a 3d console like an, an actual 3d like 3d display console before they have a console that can actually process polygons mm-hmm. right like the super nintendo sort of did with the super fx chip inside um the uh Star Fox. Um, which it, it's it's amazing that they could add hardware 
to the system by putting it in a cartridge. I mean, that they've been they were doing that since the NES days. Yeah, sure. But yeah, it definitely took on an entirely new life with the FX chip. Right. Um. But yeah, so they're not. You know, this is pre them releasing something that could play Mario sixty four on it, and they're like, yeah, no, we're gonna present things in three D to you, even though like they can't do though they can't run three D graphics. Um. So it ended up just being a lot of like multiple planes, you know. Uh, yeah. Mario Clash wasn't really it wasn't really three D graphics. It was there was a foreground and a background, and like Ditto Teleroboxer, they're just like different planes. Explain to me the gameplay of Mario Clash. Mario Clash is just like the original Mario Brothers. Um, so there must have been a way to link these things up so it was like two player. Um, but so you know how uh in regular Mario Brothers. Not Super Mario Brothers, mm-hmm. but Mario Brothers. Um, there's like three levels of platforms, and maybe four. Um, then you have to like get under guys. And right. They go when they get to the bottom. They go up the pipe, and then they're at the top. Well, this would crisscross so that there was a there's like a level in front of you and a level like further back, and they could transfer between them by using pipes. Oh, okay. Um, so like the three D of it, like it is part of the game and that you you are forced to view like the foreground and the background at the same time could technically be achieved without it um but it was you know neat nonetheless i mean one of the things that one of the reasons that a virtual boy was never appealing to me even though i had like a friend who had one Mm -hmm. was because of what they were trying to achieve the games were so limited you couldn't do a super a proper Super Mario Brothers game. You can't do, you know, like. But you could do like one of the great Wario games. Like the Wario Land on that thing is. I really like uh, Wario Land Shake It on the uh, Wii, um, and I liked the first Wario Land Super Mario Land Three on um, the Game Boy. Um, but I think Wario Land on the Virtual Boy is like that that game realized is it a proper wario land yeah like it's a platformer yeah oh. yeah it, it, it's it's like a full game and it's good um and it's it, one of those things that's going to be lost forever that it, we'll never see again so this thing bombed hard. so hard that nintendo is for the longest time was embarrassed by it and just yeah. like as far as they were concerned it did not exist yep and i mean it you'll see there's like a, a a virtual boy trophy in smash brothers and you know maybe you can get one in animal crossing or whatever but like these games have never appeared on a virtual console i don't think they ever will um and you know the like mario clash that could have been a brand that could have been a brand that they kept around Tellero Boxer was basically a uh, punch out with robots we, that could come back that would be great um but we'll we'll never we'll never see them it would be cool to like you're like that wario game or something mm-hmm. onto on the virtual console yeah i mean these were the four games i had but uh, if uh wario land mario clash tennis and Teleroboxer came out on the 3ds i'd buy them in a heartbeat tennis is the one i have the strongest memory yeah of playing and again that makes cool use of the 3d because mm-hmm. it gives depth of field to the court yeah how did they achieve that was that like a mode 7 thing or i don't know i i know so little about like the technology that yeah. powered the virtual boy hmm something to do a deeper dive into yeah uh and this is also the most anyone has ever talked about a virtual boy <laughs> 
<laughs> it's been like 12 minutes. I right? mean, the fact that you owned one mm-hmm. is... It's surprising, right? Yeah, you're one in less than a million. I don't... There is not a piece of Nintendo hardware that I have not... Like, main mainline hardware. Right, like, there are revisions and stuff. But. Right, there are revisions and, like, controllers. Obviously, I didn't have a Rob, um, but... Every console and handheld and Virtual Boy I've owned at some point. What happened to your Virtual Boy? Do you know? I sold it to yeah. like uh, EB or Babbage's or whatever proto GameStop, um, possibly to fund my Nintendo 64 uh, or maybe to help fund the PlayStation or, you know, whatever. Yeah. It's, there, there's really, there's no place for it in um, your gaming library because like you, you don't put it it doesn't live by your TV and it doesn't live in your backpack. It has to be like set up on your desk. I don't know. Like it demands its own lifestyle. It's a very in like it just. It's so who knows what they were thinking. Who kn- you know, like it, it is an interesting gimmick. Yeah. But yeah, it, it feels so out of left field for Nintendo and the public kind of agreed. And yeah. Like, just rejected it outright. So as as bad as you know, people bag on the Wii U. It is nowhere it is near. No Virtual Boy. It's no Virtual Boy. So NES Classic, great. We will love when there's a Game Boy Classic. We will love when there's a Super Nintendo Classic. Virtual Boy Classic. I mean, I would buy one. I would too for uh, sixty bucks. For sixty bucks, yeah. Like, would I? Uh, but it would. Ha- but unlike the other ones, it would have to be like full size you couldn't do like a mini version i mean if they sold like just a an amiibo Mm -hmm. of a virtual boy like that size yeah i would buy that just to like display i wonder if they could do like what it would cost for them to make a uh like an actual headset that you could put on your face i have no interest in that though but that might be fun (laughs) i i think you could play the like eight games they made yeah exactly and a lot of these games there's not much to it. No. So, I don't know. All right. Well, let's, let's close the book on the Virtual Boy. 1995 is dead. 1996, however, is the release of the Nintendo 64. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember getting a video cassette from Nintendo Power um, teasing the release of the Nintendo Ultra 64, which is what it was being dubbed at the time. Um, and the it had uh video this cassette had footage of uh Super Mario 64 of Star Fox and of Killer Instinct for some reason um and i remember th- I, I this was one that i called early that i was like this is it this is going to change everything this is going to be the best it's going to be the best um and have i told the story about buying my uh Nintendo 64 before I can't remember if it was on one that went live or one or like one of the burner episodes we did. Yeah, me neither. I bought it at Target uh-huh. one morning, uh, the morning it came out, um, and I was just insistent that no, you did in fact have more than just pilot wings. Open another box. <laughs> I, I want to see you've got Mario sixty four because I I knew I knew that game was coming. And I knew that it was going to that I was going to love it two pieces, um, and I remember so specifically. My buddy Ryan Georges, um, like he came over, came over to you know play after school one day, and um, I was like, oh yeah, this thing, Nintendo, and like just that opening sequence where Lockatoo like flies in and like circles around Mario, and then you're out in the field in front of Peach's castle, 
um, and just having the ability to run around, um, that that he was like, whoa, let me borrow this thing, and I was like, nope, <laughs> this is mine. You don't, you can play it while you're here, but other than that, you're never gonna get my yeah. It just I I remember it feeling revelatory. Yeah, I uh, again, I don't. I think that's one of those landmark moments that I don't know that there's been one in uh something like that since then right where it's just like holy crap like mario's in 3d and the way that nintendo Mm -hmm. did it explains it the way nintendo explains it is the most nintendo way where it's like oh no like has a camera and he's following you around and that's why it's in 3d now not 2d anymore right yeah that they they explain so like and you have the ability to control the camera somewhat Uh uh-huh um so they they like have to personify it like oh if it's something you're controlling it has to be someone yeah and i i never had a playstation mm-hmm. so this was my first experience with an analog control mm-hmm. and mario 64 was just inc- or a um like a joystick like, yeah I mean, an analog stick. yeah but i mean i think even um the, the analog sticks on the dual shot come later oh okay or I think the dual like shock itself comes later. Too. Yeah, mm-hmm. but yeah, the Nintendo sixty four, the smart Super Mario sixty four blew my mind. We didn't get it until, and uh, Mar- Super uh, Mario Kart sixty four was a ninety six release. Yeah, um, it was just later in the year. Yeah, but we got so we didn't get it because the the game we got with it was uh, Mario Kart. Yeah, like I okay. didn't I didn't play Super Mario sixty four until later. Yeah, and that Mario Kart to this day, and again, some of it is nostalgia, and some of it's because it had the best best battle mode. The best battle mode had uh, Block Fort, which yeah. remains oh, man. the best. Block Fort's so good, They're, and they've tried to kind of replicate it on like the not recently. <laughs> Mario Kart Eight has terrible uh, battle um, mode. Yeah, but I feel like on GameCube there was like a pseudo. Yeah, I think Block right. Fort, mm-hmm. and maybe even and on DS. Yeah, but they just haven't been the same. And then the glitch in Skyscraper that makes you go, like, faster yeah. than you do most of the time. Like, again, not the uh, best Mario Kart, but the one I've, you know, like, I have all of so many great memories playing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it it is also worth saying that, like, uh, Mario Kart and uh, GoldenEye together sort of introduced this idea of four-player split screen um you know party time um before so the nintendo 64 is the first uh console to have four controller ports natively Mm -hmm. you don't need an adapter um and that that's something that everyone apes uh for like their consoles uh after basically until we stopped having controller ports um like i'm looking at my dreamcast right now it has four controller ports um and it just it makes so much sense to uh have those four together and and really play like this this is i think where nintendo kind of doubles down on the idea of couch either competitive or couch i guess it's all competitive there's no real co-op at at this point but like you got GoldenEye, you've got Mario Kart you've got Mario Party which you got Super Smash Brothers you got for the Super first Smash time. Brothers um which are all fun games by yourself cool games two player and then chaotic and amazing four player um it, it's i is it fair to say they invent that 
like that they invent the four player in front of one TV experience? I don't know that anybody did it before. Yeah. And finding out late like later in life that the Nintendo 64 was a failure is was so crazy to me. Yeah, it's because, it's hard, right? Because like GoldenEye. Yeah. Every like all of my friends yeah had played GoldenEye. Like we you know everybody I knew yeah had a Nintendo 64 for you know we like yeah goldeneye was huge mario kart was huge so like finding smash brothers was huge so finding out later that the playstation just blew it out of the water and it the playstation did have i guess the it had a variety of games and it had the single player you know experiences that um the kind of stuff that yeah like didn't have the kind of stuff that like i seek out now yeah you know um like that's where that's where my final fantasy went um, I remember being heartbroken because, again, Nintendo Power told me at one point there was going to be Final Fantasy VII on the uh, Nintendo 64. And that could have been early enough when Sony and Nintendo were, like, working together. The, like, the Nintendo 64 was almost the Nintendo PlayStation um, with a disc-based uh, thing, but Nintendo opted to go with cartridges because then they could control it, stops piracy. Uh, and all that, but it means that it doesn't have the the memory that discs uh, that a disc or three discs would have. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, and you know, Nintendo also just had their um, more family friendly aesthetic kind of stapled to it too. So um, your Resident Evils uh, were starting to show up at at this time, and they were all going to PlayStation and Saturn first. Um, that's right. That's right. I brought up the Saturn. <laughs> um, yeah. So Nintendo uh, ends up miss starts. This this is when they start their trend of missing out on on third party stuff. Yeah, I mean Nintendo sixty four has definitely shaped, nin like Nintendo the current Nintendo. Yeah, like the trends the Nintendo sixty four set have just carried through to this carried day. through to yeah. this day. I mean, it's it's uh they made their own controller and were like. This is it. Everyone's going to use this controller. It's going to be weird. It's only going to make sense for Mario, maybe for Zelda, <laughs> um, which we haven't talked about. But, but yeah, I mean that tells you as as much as we've as much as the Nintendo sixty four doesn't have uh, a lot of third party support, the Nintendo games on the system are incredible. Yeah, agreed. Uh, oh man, such good, such good. Uh, just three D adventure and platforming. And really, like all genres except for role playing. Well, and the the especially weird, but not weird. The especially cool thing about this is, yeah, like the Nintendo sixty four controller was weird, but nobody had any idea to do that, how to do it better. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. Nintendo was the like they on their first try figured out how to do three D platforming. Yeah, they you know, figured so out how like, they figured out the camera, and the camera's a little clunky, sure, by today's standards. But like they figured it out, and they figured out how to make you move. And I still like anytime I'm playing a 3D platformer, I just want the character to move like Mario does in Mario 64. Yeah. So and so yes, like the controller was weird. Yes, like some of the games are a little clunky, but it, they didn't have they weren't iterating off of anything. They were right. figuring out they were how inventing to do it. it. Yeah. At so. They and were, the fact that they knock it out of the park mm-hmm. in a lot of instances is incredible. They're also 
uh, pioneering um, tactile feedback at home. This is the first time a Rumble Pack. Uh, Star Fox 64. Star Fox 64, baby. The Rumble Pack, which is insane, a thing that you have to plug into the back of the controller, just vibrates. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, standard practice now that, like, your controller is going to vibrate. What's wrong with my controller if it's not vibrating, you know? Yeah. just simple like they were writing the playbook that like everyone else picks up on yeah when sony in the original uh playstation 3 controller did not have rumble yeah and they eventually revised it and put rumble like it's just an expected feature yes and nintendo was doing all of this on a system if you look at um uh nintendo's home consoles like sales the any uh removing Removing the Wii, it's just, Wii, been, a it's just been a yeah. downward like slope. And the Wii was obviously an, an anomaly. Yeah, like yeah. lightning in a bottle. Um, but yeah, so and the Nintendo 64 continued this trend. But every... Uh, and not to say that you know somebody else wouldn't have figured it out. But, but they all of the fruits of 3D gaming we're harvesting because yeah. Nintendo like figured it out. It's sort of, it almost doesn't like jive right in my mind that um, the Nintendo 64 didn't sell that well. Um, You know, you said earlier that like everyone played GoldenEye, everyone played Mario Kart. Um, But uh, when when I was living in Chicago, I was like going through a Nintendo 64 hankering. I was like, oh, I need one. So I went to this awesome store called uh, People Play Games on the north side um, that uh, on the north side was me describing where it is. It's not part of the name of the store. (laughs) Um, And I bought a Nintendo 64 and uh, Banjo-Kazooie and Donkey Kong 64, two games we haven't mentioned at all yet, but are also one very good game and one like, decent but has problems game. i don't like either of those games you don't like uh banjo kazooie no oh man i love banjo kazooie um but i i bought both of these games and living in chicago so like you get around uh walking and public transportation and we walked all the way back and i have never been stopped by strangers as much as when i was walking home with my nintendo 64 People being like, whoa, you got a Nintendo 64? Cool. And this is in like 2009, you know, that people are just like freaking out about seeing this thing. Um, So like it has such a good legacy and lots of like, I think people have a lot of goodwill built up towards it. And I don't know if it was just that like everyone's cousin had one or what, but. Yeah, I, I will say that as great as these games are, mm-hmm. um, both. I would say this the this generation of consoles like the PlayStation, yeah. the N64, I would say have the games that aged the worst. The worst. Yeah. Because these first foray into like uh the few PlayStation like Symphony of the Night like side scrolling games where they sure. try to do 3D polygons are, you know, they look they look great still. Right. Um they're basically like souped up Super Nintendo games, yeah. yeah. Uh but yeah, the games visually don't hold up very well yeah like you try to play the original resident evil or like the first tomb raider or like twisted metal or any any of those games from the generation on playstation uh and they they're almost impossible to look at and i think the same is true of a lot of these games yeah but the 
the core gameplay is so great yeah. that, you know, Ocarina of Time is still considered by many people, um, not myself, but I don't think it's a bad game, to be the best Zelda game yeah. ever. And, you know, they make these 3DS, oh, excuse me, they make these 3DS remakes and, you know, the core gameplay doesn't change. No, they, just, they, like, they pretty them up and cut out some fat. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, again, I think that's just a testament to how incredible, maybe small, but how incredible the Nintendo 64 library is. Yeah, I will agree with that uh, 100%. And th- there are, man, it's such an interesting system. Like, it- it's amazing how much of a failure it is considered to be. Um, but, you know, it's sold uh, worlds better than the GameCube and then the, the Wii U. So, you know, what do, what do, what do I know? <laughs> uh, all right, Mark. So that brings us up. Well, well there's one more little footnote here. Um, Japan did get a disk drive add-on to this thing mm-hmm. in 1999, uh, the 64DD, um, which is, it allowed for some like read-write um, capabilities, um, so like adding things to games that existed, uh, and also had like an art studio thing associated with it, um, which kind of carried forward the tradition of Mario Paint, which we didn't talk about, but I could talk about Mario Paint forever. Um, to have this like sort of creator suite um, where you could make things and save things. We never got the DD here, um, disk drive uh, here, and I, I don't think that's a, a big loss really. But they had, I think the ambitions for the disk drive were greater than the technology allowed. That's probably true. It was probably really a, a virtual boy situation was that they, they saw something that they want to take advantage of and then just couldn't really follow through on it. Yeah, like, I, I not, I mean, ahead of its time is such a cliche way to say it, but kind of, you know, like, yeah. the, the technology just wasn't capable of doing what their ambitions were. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, it didn't help that the console didn't sell well, so they didn't sell very many of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, by 99, they're actually getting pretty close to the release of the GameCube anyway. Um, so it, it's sort of weird that Nintendo was doing this sort of like stacking system, because um, obviously that behavior had been modeled by Sega previously. Um, you slap a, a Sega CD and a 32X onto your Genesis, um, and that sunk that, uh, that them as a hardware manufacturer. Um, so yeah, weird for Nintendo to take a cue from sega on that one well but i mean they had been that i mean that's what the uh nintendo playstation was originally going to be right was a disc drive add-on for the super nintendo uh yeah that's right and i mean they had kind of not really the same thing but they had dabbled in it with the the super game boy no i guess like uh i'm thinking of the the one for the gamecube that you have to attach to the bottom the game boy player yeah. Uh, actually, we should talk about the uh, Super Game Boy a little bit. I have one. <laughs> it is. Uh, it allows you to play Game Boy and Game Boy Color games on the Super Nintendo, like on your screen. It did have uh, mouse support, so you could uh, like draw little things. Oh, whoa, in I the, didn't know that. Yeah, because um, it 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 doesn't make the screen as big as your TV screen because they knew <laughs> they knew <laughs> that you saw you'd be like, oh my god, I can't believe I'm playing this. Um, Wait, did you? Would you just use the uh, SNES controller to? You could or use the, you, or you would plug a mouse into the. There were like special. I mean, not a mouse. The uh, Super Nintendo mouse. 
I didn't even know there was a Super Nintendo. Yeah, for Mario Paint. Mark, did you not play Mario Paint? I had Mario Paint. We didn't have that. Um, You didn't have the mouse? No, we would just use the... Really? We just use the controller. I don't think I ever played Mario Paint with a controller. We didn't play that much. (laughs) Yeah, I I can imagine why. I used to make movies with Mario Paint. That's cool. Um, had it hooked up to the VCR and would like run through and you know do the first little bit of animation and then stop it and do the next bit like do full cartoons full I say full like it was a ninety minute feature no. <laughs> <laughs> like uh you know a twelve minute something um and it would take me all week um man I love that game Mark I think we've covered yeah Nintendo I think we, I mean we obviously could talk about it forever but i think this is a good stopping point i think hey mark i think you're right let's move on to our listener reader question listeners reader mail (laughs) what are we calling this thing (laughs) um uh, today's uh message comes to us through our email which of course is nintendo cartridge society at At gmail.com and i do just want to like throw out that uh we'd love to hear your own memories uh, about these systems that we talked about absolutely today anything that we talk about ever if you want to weigh in with your own version of it mm-hmm. please write to us and if you have spoilers for the m night Sh- upcoming m night Shyamalan movie split right please let me know please send those on i'm dying to know what the and here's the thing is that i've heard on the internet like that the twist is out there i've googled it i've searched for it and i can't i can't seem to find it so if you think you're a little bit better at google than mark yeah or you use and you Bing or something <laughs> yeah yeah you can use a different search engine yeah. if you want to um then find that understand it type it out send to nintendo cartridge society at, at gmail.com. gmail.com um and we will read it uh, spoilers we probably won't read on the air no um, but your questions, uh, it is it is fun. Uh, questions, comments, anything, whatever you got. Um, the more you're part of the show, the more show there is, or the more varied show there is. Yeah, it'll be more interesting if you're emailing us. Um, today's email, which I find very interesting, comes from Robin. Hang with me on this, Mark. Okay. <clears throat> the title is "A Boy and His Blob Obstructs Us from the Blob and Its Life Experience." Now, this question is about the Nintendo game, A Boy and His Blob. Is it ethical to bring possession into the relationship between a boy and his blob? It seems the boy was committed to helping the blob's home planet resist occupation by an evil emperor. It would be naive to assume that the blob does not have a complex and layered narrative full of love and loss. Is it deflating? (laughs) Is this deflating of a symbiotic companionship into an owner-pet fantasy Nintendo's first four-way foray into male conquest and white knighthood i mean et while at first presented as a simple fragile and as 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 simple fragile and dependent on his companion was still the main character of his story and revealed to uh experience deeper emotions and greater concerns for others so the question is this is me trying to summarize it yeah um is a boy and his blob the narrative of a boy and his blob uh dismissive of the blob's experience and is it problematic for us to view the blob as just a pet and the boy as a uh, soul hero i've only ever played the game boy game mm-hmm. and i as a child never figured out how to beat it it's a really obtuse game so i later watched a youtube walkthrough mm-hmm. of the game boy version of a boy and his blob 
and realized you can beat it in like three minutes if you know what you're supposed to do. Right. But how you're supposed to know to do some of these things, I have no idea. So I think some of that actually does feed into Robin's question here. That like, if you know what to do, then you can almost effortlessly solve the, bro- the Blob's problems. Well, here is what I will say yeah. is um, that I guess I've always viewed it more, regardless of the, the title, I've always viewed it more as like teamwork. Because yes, the boy mm-hmm. um, is the, your avatar. You're controlling the boy. Yes. You're not able to do anything in this game with like you can't even get out of the first room right without feeding the blob without without assistance from the blob right um yeah i agree that like in the game it's the blob is presented like a pet right it has no agency it has no agency but um yeah i've always seen it more as teamwork um so uh robin asks if that is uh nintendo's first foray into this I don't think a boy and his Bob was developed by Nintendo. No, it wasn't. Um, but uh, it. I, I after reading this question, I was thinking about if there is, um, and like Pikmin sort of is uh, Nintendo carrying on that same idea, right? Because you play Olimar or another one of those little alien guys, um, crash landed on a Pikmin planet, and then you use and in many cases abuse the native species um to uh achieve various goals um so i i don't know if we can ex- extend the same sort of question to uh the the pikmin series of games is is there uh is there something wrong or weird about like the white knighting olimar for example does it diminish the native's experience or the the blob's experience or the pikmin's experience I mean, I think by definition, it uh, backgrounds it. Yeah, sure. Um, the que- I think the question is, do I think it's problematic? And mm-hmm. uh, I guess my gut in- answer is no. Right. Um, because I don't think that either the developer of A Boy and His Blob or Nintendo have established a pattern of behavior that would make me think that their intentions are um negative and while i agree that you know art can exist outside of the intentions right you know and that the artist is dead exactly and that it can be pro you know like uh something can be problematic even if it wasn't intended to be i think that the context in which they exist um like no, I don't find it problematic. I I mean I, I do think it's interesting. Um, I like, definitely never thought about it this way. No, so for that like I don't, it is interesting. Yeah, uh, good good job, Robin. Good question. I love this question. Yeah. Um. It and it is it, it's sort of hard to talk around just because um a a boy and his blob does come in that era before there's like a solid story for video games. Um. I I think it is. Uh. If you know we're tossing around the word problematic. I think it is less problematic than the normal Mario narrative of Mario has to rescue the princess. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's a different marginalized group. It's, you know, women versus a, I, I don't know if like native species is necessarily, but I, I think that's the angle that she's coming at it from that. Like 
the blob has a society that we are ignorant to. Right, because the Game Boy one is the rescue of Princess Blobette. Like oh, yeah. You're, you know, like you... So that's a double... <laughs> yeah, I mean, but like you... So you're working together to rescue the female blob. Yeah. Um, it's tough. I, I think a lot of early video game development and even Nintendo the, to this day is uh, blind to these kinds of social issues. Um, and, and Nintendo especially, I, I don't think is, is particularly good on gender stuff. Um, or, you know, th- thinking outside of, uh, you know, like challenging experiences. Well, absolutely. I mean, Nintendo does not want to, they don't want to make headlines. They don't want to upset, upset it. They the don't want to upset right. anybody. So, you know, like with uh, um, Fire Emblem. Yeah. You know. Yes. They are very specific. You know, they're very careful. In like localization. In localization. And, mm-hmm. they, d- and they also, they don't maybe in the most recent one but you know they don't let you romance same-sex partners yeah um you know and these are conscious decisions and they're aware of the decisions they're making they uh in these instances it really is like they aren't they don't want to be seen as taking a stand right and i think and i i think that that's uh an admirable thing but you also have to wonder like at what point does consciously not making a stand make its own stand yeah i mean i don't know that it is i don't know that i agree that it's admirable okay they don't want to take Mm -hmm. a stand i think it's understandable Mm -hmm. but um i yeah like you do have to like wonder uh where like at the point that they're like well we don't want to upset you know like uh any portion of our we don't want to make negative headlines right we don't want to be in the news for um being let's just say like pro-gay marriage we don't want to be in the news for being against gay marriage we just want to be like right down the middle of the road right and i mean nintendo would famously remove religious imagery from uh early uh nes games like castlevania games right uh yeah but but the argument then would be like okay well but at what point by choosing to not include this or not include something to omit something out of fear of like you know like at what point are you doing harm Right. to um you know like a uh what's the term i want to use but you know basically like for a uh, minority group or you know like yeah or um, a marginalized a group. marginalized yeah. group and so i you know and it, it is like such a it's an interesting conversation because i don't think inherently the idea that mario like rescues princess peach is problematic but i can understand the argument that um you know like it is such like a trope like yeah. the, w- the the woman is the damsel yeah. in distress and that it's not you could create a mario game where that is not the case you know i mean i guess like super mario sunshine in some respects yeah and i mean that... even super mario brothers 2 super mario uh usa i mean like yeah. that allows oh, you to totally. play as the princess um and i know you know i had a lot of friends that were girls growing up um and you know, they would always play as the princess because, like, of course you would. Um, and the game doesn't, you can build a Mario conflict that doesn't revolve around someone having to be rescued. And, and I think, like, um, it is instructive to look at Splatoon as yeah. an example yeah, of a, and uh, Splatoon is created and by a new generation of Nintendo developers, mm-hmm. of a younger generation of Nintendo developers. And is uh, revered and rightfully revered as the 
old guard and Nintendo is, they are from a very different generation. Absolutely. And especially and from very a very socially conservative country. Yeah, like yeah. A, a different generation in a very, yeah, like culturally different country. And so um, I don't, they're probably not even, when if you approached Shigeru Miyamoto with like this idea that like, oh, I, I don't know that he's ever thought about it before. You know, right. the idea that, or like, oh, maybe Princess Peach... Never thought about it in those terms. Never yeah. thought about it in those terms. Um, I, I think... Uh, and I have... d- ditto, like, the, uh, um, the uh, like, native, you know, versus, like, the uh, oh, companionship. Yeah, for, for Pikmin. Like, he's, he's probably never thought about the Pikmin as having their own society, their own culture, you know, worthy of uh, elevating itself outside of uh, Olimar's intervention. Yeah, and I mean, there was a huge hope, or maybe not a huge, but there was a very vocal hope that uh, Breath of the Wild would include a female Link. Yeah. Or at least the option to play as a female Link. And again, there's no... And we're not talking about Linkle here. Right, right. <laughs> and uh, But even then, like Linkle, you know, yeah. like including a character like that. And again, it would not change the narrative of the a Legend of Zelda game in a um like impactful way, but I just don't think it's anything that they're really uh, that they're aware. Yeah, of. I mean the, the thing is, I I don't think it would change it in an impactful way for two guys, right? Oh no, no. But I'm, I I I'm, think if 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 I was a if I was me and eight and a woman that well I wouldn't be a woman if I was eight. <laughs> I would be a girl. <laughs> um, but I think I would be excited. And like feel good about my ability to play the game. I'm as, I'm sorry when yeah. I say like uh an impact like it wouldn't change it in an impactful way. I mean that like uh there's no reason not to do it. Sure. Yeah. I, I, okay, uh, that's what yeah, I mean. Sorry. Is that yeah. yeah that, what that's saying. what I mean. Is that like uh it, whether Link is male or female has no bearing on the narrative. Right. Right. You know, it's not the it's game not, is it's not important right. for Link to be. And so it's one of those changes that yeah, like us being aware of it. Um, we're like, oh yeah, it makes total s- like, yeah. Why wouldn't they do that? Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. We keep kind of uh, we're both doing it, steering back into like the the gender question and um, like who who's in distress. Mm-hmm. Um, Robin's question is so specific. I, I think maybe that's why we're we're broadening it to um gender and damsel in distress is that there's so many more examples of it. Um, and so like easier fixes. Um. Whereas, like, would you want a game about the the Pikmin? Would you want a game just about the Blob? Um, would a, a a Blob and his boy be a, a a better? I actually do think that's a more clever title. I mean, it's it's a it's the Peabody and Sherman. Yes, you know, yes, yes, Shermanization of it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I I guess to answer specifically this question, I don't find it problematic um i think it's an interesting point and you know like i had never thought about it in that context Mm -hmm. but given that no i i um i think as presented it's acceptable and i don't think it's one of those like shameful things where we're like oh our nobody should play this game right it's not custer's revenge yeah exactly (laughs) uh but i do think that I would I would love to see I w- I would absolutely play a a blob game. I would absolutely play a blob yeah. and his boy game. Right. Um yeah. Um yeah, and I mean 
Robin, no, no kidding. I don't think we should be surprised that E.T. is a more successful narrative than A Boy and His Blob. <laughs> right? Right? <laughs> right. I think so. Mark, I think that's going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. We've gone long, but hey, you are uh, waiting in line at the polls. Right. Maybe still. Who knows? Historic day and whatnot. Uh, so thank you for listening to us uh, gab on for so long. Uh, I've had fun. Mark, have you had fun? Yeah. So what you want to do is you want to follow us on Twitter. This uh, We are at NinCart Society. Uh, you can check out our Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Um, if you have a second, we'd love for you to uh, come on over to iTunes and subscribe and rate and review us. Um, it helps out the show's visibility. Um, and while you're doing that, you can check out some other What's a Creative uh, podcast network um, shows. We're a part of that network and we're proud to be part of it. Um, so if you like what you heard here, it is likely that you will find other things that you like um, there. Uh, and also, if you like mine and Mark's uh, opinions on stuff, uh, you can find our reviews of comic books on retconpunch.com. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by 8 Bit Betty. You can find more of 8 Bit Betty's music on 8bitbetty.com or by listening right now. My name is Patrick Ellers for Mark Mitchell. Uh, thanks for listening. What's a creative podcast network?